Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Kivas. He's got this great new song and video out now called C-A-W, which stands for Catch a Wave. We're going to find some deeper meaning into that and talk about the making of the video. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelly. For everybody, my name is Kivas, which is spelled K-E-Y-V-O-U-S. And yeah, Catch a Wave is my new single that's out. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Kelly. Excellent. So it's it's more like the Voss, the key Voss. Yeah, key Voss. You got to put the Voss on it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of because it rhymes with boss. <laughs> I've never heard that one. That's good. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> well, when I first saw the title, I couldn't help but think of WAP. You know, so is there like a tradition now of songs that are like three initials? Well, no, I wanted to make it an acronym for a few reasons. One, the Beach Boys has a song called Catch a Wave, so I didn't want my song to get mixed up with that. So I just wanted to make it an acronym just to, to change it up a little bit for any other song that's called Catch a Wave, because that's, you know, there's a couple of wave songs out there. They're not as wavy as mine, but there's a couple of wave songs out there. So I just wanted to, you know, show a, a differentiation between them. That's all. Now, you were born and raised in L.A., and you had a, a very interesting childhood friend named Robin. Yes, yes. Actually, I was, okay, so my parents are both from L.A. For whatever reason, they moved to Oregon for a short time and had me. But I was uh, I was raised in uh, L.A. most of my life, if not all of my life, from the time I was eight months old. So, uh, yeah, so from there, uh, my father um, passed away when I was young. So I had a single mom growing up. And what she did was she moved, she moved us to the suburbs of LA called the San Fernando Valley. We call we nicknamed it the A1A, but it's called the San Fernando Valley. And doing so to keep me out of trouble and keep me out of mischief, she put me in a lot of sports. And um, and like like my uh, my elementary school was a performing arts elementary school, so I was in plays. I did Shakespeare. I was the first Black Danny in Greece. You know, I was Bible, Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie. So she put me in things to keep me out of trouble. And in doing so. Um, playing soccer at uh, Van Nuys Oaks Park, which is a park out there. I met a guy named uh, Robin Thicke, and uh, him and I. We, so we played on the same soccer team since we were eight. But at age eleven, we uh, we actually wrote our first song together. So that was that was exciting. That is exciting. And did you have a group called Think Twice? Yeah. So after after me and Robin started writing songs, um, there's a guy named Brian Austin Green, who uh, at that time. Uh, you know, they're a little bit older than me. But Brian would come over all the time. So we put him in the group. He would rap. And then we had um, my cousin, Adam Schwartz, who also played soccer with us. And we started a group and started performing and singing and writing and just dancing. And we would, we would go around to, like, different clubs in L.A. Like, these were kid clubs that had kid clubs at that time. And we'd be performing. So you would see wow. people like Soleil Moonfry and David Faustino had a group called Ballistics back then. And, you know, these were all older people. And they would, we would go to these these little parties and clubs and perform. So, you know, it was great times, great times. You know, I'm always impressed when people start so young like that. You know, I think it gives you like a fearlessness. I, I think so too, because I think, you know, as you grow in this in this industry, like I've always been in groups. So, so this is my, my, my stepping out of the solo artist for like the last couple of years. I've been, you know, focused on that. But when you, when you started out in groups and you start so young, there's so much that you learn at a young age, I think it really conditions you not only for, you know, performing and songwriting and, and doing this at a, at a different level, but also, you know, for the business aspect of it. And so, 
as anything, it definitely conditioned me for that. You know, being able to write so young, I learned writing structure, you know? So, and, and that, that's really helped me in my career out, being a songwriter and a singer. So that's, you know, that's really put me on a nice platform to where I could do what I love to do. And doing all that musical theater, you know, getting a lot of acting experience too. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, theater, theater was really important to me because um, I, I, there was a lady named Drama Sue. I'll never forget her at, a, at our elementary school that just believed in me so much and taught me so much and really gave me confidence in knowing how to handle myself on stage. At that time, my voice was changing. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of things going on and, we, you know, these were live musicals, so we had to sing live and do those things. And just that structure, once again, taught me so much and those people that believed in me earlier on and kept me out of trouble, you know, kept, taught me so much. But having a single mom and her always working, these are outlets that really, really prepared me for the things that I do today. What was your favorite song to sing in Greece? Uh, do, 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 Summer Love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Summer Love. Matter of fact, my idea of Catch a Wave is sort of like an idea from, some, from that idea. You know, when I was writing Catch a Wave, it, it's basically summer love, you know, and what I mean by that is it doesn't sound anything like it, but the idea of just spending time with someone and, you know, them catching the wave is sort of like that summer love, like, come catch this wave, come get this love, and then we're going to, you know, experience from there. So, yeah, summer love. <laughs> that makes sense, because I know the movie Grease, doesn't it start with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John on the beach? Mm -hmm. Danny and Sandy, it does start, it starts with them on the beach. Um, spending time with each other for the summer, and then they go to high school afterwards. So, yeah, so it's, so, it's sort of like that. They're, they got away, and they catch their vibe that summer, spending time with each other and just really getting to know each other and enjoying each other's company, and that's sort of the feeling that I wanted to give with Catch a Wave. Well, with Catch a Wave, you shot this video in this really amazing location. Uh, where did you shoot that? Uh, that's a disclosed location, no. It was in, it was in the Hollywood Hills, so it, it was a nice uh, location that... Uh, is in the Hollywood Hills, and you know, I found the location, and I just felt the vibe of it right away. You know, the idea that I had for the video when I was talking to the director, I said, you know, I, I want this. You know, there's a lot of videos where people are shooting; they have a thousand girls and a thousand lowriders, and 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 this goes on. I wanted something a little more uh, simplistic, you know, where, where it's real simple, and I wanted something to where people could um, people can get the vibe of just two people spending time, and so. I wanted to pick a nice house to represent that. So that, that was the house that I found in uh, the Hollywood Hills. Well, <laughs> well, the video has a very romantic feel. You know, you, your lady, kind of this one-on-one -on -one intimate time. How, well, was that kind of a reaction like you're saying instead of the big group videos? Did you want to just pull it back and make it more romantic? Yeah, see, yeah, exactly. I wanted to scale this back and make it, like where it's real sensual, not not as not raunchy, but real sensual. And I wanted to bring love back into the world to where some people are actually spending time. And and with doing that, I also wanted the audience to jump to conclusions on whatever they felt Catch a Wave was or whatever they thought I was going to do or thought that I did. So I wanted to be sensual, but, you know, understand, understanding where two people can spend time together and, and it could be fun and it can be like we're playing Jenga. There's one scene we're playing Jenga, you know, and I wanted it, you know, to be fun, but sexy at the same time, but not raunchy. Mm -hmm. Now, you co-directed this with... Uh, C-Nice. C-Nice. C-Nice films. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. C-Nice is... Uh, mm -hmm. 
And I was going to say, how, how do you collaborate and come up with ideas with a director like that? Uh, C Nice, C -Nice, the good thing about C Nice is he always comes up with great ideas as far as the lighting and shooting. Like a lot of that, I have to give him credit for on how he lit certain things and, and the vibe we have with certain things. My idea for the video, once again, I wanted it to be not a little more simple, but I wanted to also have, I wanted to bring back a little 90s feel. So I got a, I got a, like, I got a Gumby, which is like a Bobby Brown haircut, and then the dance sequences is sort of paying homage to the 90s and to Bobby Brown, which is why you see those dance sequences. But um, we really sat down and vibed, and I, and I told him, he was like, do you want this? I'm like, no, I just want it to be simple. I wanted, I wanted to really show me spending time with this girl and us just having a great time. And I want to, you know, I want, I want, I want people to jump to conclusions in the loop that we did this or that we didn't do this or whatever they wanted to. But I wanted it to be real simple, you know, real, real, real elegant, real, real nice. I wanted it to be nice. I didn't want it. I didn't want it to attack any, any certain thing. I wanted people to, to feel comfortable watching it and feel good and, and say, oh, you know what? They look like they had a good time. They look like they're having a great conversation. Well, they did have a lot of great videos in the 90s. And to me, I just remember it as more of like the VH1. And yeah. they allowed, I think, a lot more mid-tempo songs. You know, the 80s was rock and roll and, you know, up-tempo pop from MTV. But it seems yeah. like in the 90s, there were more slower grooves like on VH1. There was. And, and what I love about those, those times and those genres of music is, if you look at the charts, everything from every genre was platinum, meaning you had rock that was platinum, you had country that was platinum, you had R&B that was platinum, you had, you had, um, you can go on. And, 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 and what I wanted to do is I wanted to show, because a lot of the songs in those times were about love and they were about peace and they were about unity and they were, they were about, you know, sensuality. And, and, I, and I sort of miss those things because I feel there's a lot a lot more songs about other stuff nowadays, which I don't take away from that. If that's what you know, but I want to bring some of that back into the light as well. So mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, well, one '90s video yours reminds me of is remember "Unbreak My Heart" by Tony Braxton. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Remember, she's in that big, beautiful house, probably in the Hollywood Hills too. I, I don't know for sure, but it kind of evoked that. It gave it just that big feeling. But it's also like this big kind of power ballad. Yeah, that was a huge power ballad. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. That's actually a compliment, you know. <laughs> but thank you. But yeah, I wanted to I wanted to give it somewhat that feel to where it was, you know, it was effective to where, like I said, we spreading love. Well, it seems like a lot of hip hop, especially in twenty twenty three, people really are embracing you know the 80s and 90s r&b like people seem to really want something a little bit more than just a fun dance song they want a little bit of that maybe romantic and sensual r&b sound I, I i believe people are looking for other sides of life especially with you know after covid and everything that's going on and the things that are going worldly i think people need that getaway need to know there's other sides of life because you know um, that's important. That's really important to to understand and see other sides of life and, and to know that there's love and that there's peace and that people could have, you know, with with a lot that are that's on the form for it right now. I think there's a lot of things that well, well there's a lot of music. I think they don't focus on the lyrics or, or the message behind what's going on. And I think when people can can fine tune your message and, and really relate to it and really see something different from it, I think, you know, 
that they're going to like it. So that's what I'm hoping happens with Catch Away. But you're right. There are people, and there are artists going back to the 90s and the 80s. I know Bruno Mars was going back to like the Gap Band, the Gap Band sound. And there's a lot of people doing that. So I love the Gap Band. Yeah, Charlie Wilson. <laughs> you dropped a bomb on me. Hey. <laughs> that's, one <of> <laughs> that's one of my songs. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, when you think of bands like that, they get sampled so much. Like, is there any classic song you'd like to sample? Ooh, that's that's crazy. You know, um, I haven't I haven't really gone too much into sampling because I do listen to singer songwriters and I love stuff like Charlie Wilson's voice is amazing. Stevie Wonder's amazing. Michael Jackson's amazing. And those are all talented songwriters and singers. So, um as far as style-wise, you know, I probably get a lot of my my ideas from those types of people, but there's nothing I want to sample as of yet. Not not yet, you know. I, I still I still feel that because I have those influences, there's no need for me to sample at this moment. Doesn't mean I wouldn't, but right now there's not a single song that I want to sample. I like the I like it to have that life, you know. You want to be uniquely Kivos. Well, yeah. I mean, I I want people. I worked hard on my solo sound. You know, I got to give a shout out to the person who produced the record, who's also my engineer. His name is Jay Plot, and to another uh, producer of mine named Nice. Um, they really worked with me on my solo sound, and I worked hard to create a style and a sound for myself. So I want to, I sort of want that to stand on its own for a moment. Doesn't mean I won't sing other people's songs, or doesn't mean I won't sample anything in the future, but I really want to establish that as a solo artist first. And then I'll think about that. Well, with all your background, I bet you do a really good stage show. Uh, yeah, performing. I would say songwriting and performing are probably my, my, my biggest strengths. And then singing. Not that I can't sing, but there's so many amazing singers out there. Um, but when you put it all together, my stage presence, I have, I have really, I can't wait to, to show what I have for this new song. I haven't gotten to perform it live yet. But um, yeah, my stage presence is something that I've worked on. Um, a lot, you know, and from the theater background, you can really tell, you know, I, I have that in me. So, I so what's your wait. favorite like setup on stage? Do you like to have background dancers with you? Um, sometimes, usually, usually I might have a DJ so I can control the music. Um, and then sometimes I have background dancers. It depends on how long my set is. If I'm going to have a long set, then I'm definitely going to have background dancers. <laughs> If I'm gonna have a shorter set, I usually just go through, do my one-two thing, performing. You know, I'm 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 very energetic, so I have a lot of energy. So I'm gonna give you energy every time, and I feel that since music's the international language, if you give people positive energy, people give you positive energy back. That's just how I feel. You know, early in his career, your friend Robin Thicke uh, opened for Beyonce for one of her tours. So, so on, on the new one, do you think uh, Beyonce might ask you to open may, maybe when she hits L.A.? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, hopefully, you know, that that will be that will be simply amazing. It's, it's crazy because I have met Beyonce uh, once or twice. I had a, I had a, uh, a roommate that was in one of my groups um, who passed away, the, the great um, Sam Sarpong, the late Sam Sarpong. And he was uh, he, he actually did Beyonce's first movie with her which is called Carmen Brown Hip Hop. So I've actually met Dean. She, she was just so sweet. Like, she's super sweet, super kind, super mm -hmm. kind. So 
If she hears this, hopefully, yeah, let me let me open up for you. I got you, B. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could see you duetting with her. Like, if you could do a duet with Beyonce, Ooh. what would you do? Ooh, that's a huge one. Wow. If I was to do a duet with Beyonce, I probably want to write something new or I would I would do something like You're Always on My Mind by SWV. Maybe okay. something like maybe something like that. Or I mean, or I could take it back and probably do Fire and Desire, <laughs> you know, Tina Marie. Rick James. And oh, Tina yeah. Marie. <laughs> something like that, maybe, you know, something to where it could showcase us both. And you know, she she would Beyonce would kill it. <laughs> you know. Well, if you want to go way back with Rick and Tina, how about I'm a sucker for your love? Ooh, okay. You don't hear yeah. that enough nowadays, do you? You don't hear that enough. I'm a sucker for your love. You don't hear those types of records a lot at all anymore. That would be great too. <laughs> since I mean, it makes sense since she always gets the Tina reference anyway. You know. Exactly. So it, 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 that that actually would make sense. <laughs> You know, a lot of performers would really envy you being in L.A., you know, where the action is. You know, what is the reality of being there in, in such, you know, the, the music capital of the country? I mean, it's crazy because uh, being in L.A. is always wonderful. You know, we have we have the beach clothes, we have the mountains, we have the snow. But being able to um, go anywhere and, and being able to meet to meet people, you know, being able to be. You could be walking down the street and meet the right person just by talking to them, and it could be a simple conversation. Like, um, like, uh, man, there's so many people that I've met even over the last week just walking down the street. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, the guitar player from White Snake, John. Oh yeah, White Snake. I, I and uh... I met the guitar player from White Snake. And, and John is just, I mean, we had the most amazing conversation about music. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just all kinds of music. It wasn't just one genre and just, you know, things like that. And I mean, and, and he's a wonderful human being. Like we had, and we talked about like every era, even now. And, and, and you know, people that know music, know music, period. So it's, it's that, things like that are great because you can run into anybody, and, you know, that could, uh, that could help you. Mm -hmm. Well, like right now in 2023, now that the clubs have opened back up again, where do you think the best music gets played? Whether, you know, across all genres, if someone came to LA, really wanted to hear the best live musicians, where do you think that is? Ooh, I think people are still performing like the whiskey, the mint, the key club closed down, so they don't have that. They don't have, um, you know, I, 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 still in Hollywood, still Sunset Hollywood. There's, you know, there's a lot of good things going on there as far as live performances. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of good places that still cater to not only independent artists, but also, you know, major artists. And then if you want to go stadiums, you know, of course, it's so like David. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the coin. What would you, yeah, what would you say is like the best hip hop, you know, just DJ recorded music, but. Best hip hop club to go out dancing in LA. Man, I, you know it's funny because I haven't been to one since one's been open. I've been going to little speakeasies. So, so um, I've been the going speakeasies. Speakeasies. Yeah, but I've been they're sort of different. They're like rooftops. I've been going to like rooftop performances like downtown LA. So downtown LA's really opened up a lot, a lot of different places, but they're not necessarily named. They're like rooftops at uh, hotels and stuff. They, they really opened up those, and I've seen some great performers. 
as a performer. Oh, is it, be, is it because the rooftop, kind of when they were transitioning with the social distancing, people felt more comfortable being outside? I think so, and they just kept the vibe. Because the last few places that I went to see acts really have been at rooftops, <laughs> you know? And there's just one artist that I have my eye on. Her name is Wolf. And she's just she's just amazing. So I, I've been going out to see her perform a lot. And I think she's she signed to uh, Adrian Miller, who found Anderson Pack. But she's just a great artist. So I so she performed at a, a couple of rooftops, and I've been going to those types of things, really seeing live musicianship. <laughs> See, you're getting invited to a lot better parties than I am. I invite you to a rooftop, Billy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's on my bucket list to be uh, on a rooftop party VIP list. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'll make sure well, you're comfortable. <laughs> well, hey, before you know, we wrap up with a few more questions, I really want people to know where to find you online and start to listen to this song. Okay. Uh, once again, it's Kivas. That's spelled K-E-Y-V-O-U-S. Um, all of my social media platforms are I am Kivas, so that's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, they have Threads now, um, TikTok, and then um, you can find my music on all platforms. I'm on Spotify, Deezer, Amazon, CD Baby, Apple, Tidal, and uh, you can look it up under K E Y V O U S. So make sure you guys go out and support your boy. I'm working. So where did the name Kivas come from? <laughs> that's funny. I was uh, I was in the studio in Ventura, California, with a guy named JC. Shout out to Park De Leon Media. So I was uh, in the studio with my boy JC and my, and my little brother Shamori Pass, and we were clowning one night, and um, we were we were drinking a little bit, and um, and they were making fun of me, like, "Oh, you want some Kivasier?" <laughs> and they were just laughing, joking around, and then I was like, "Kivasier, I like that." So. Kivas is really short for Kivas here, but I never use that. I just use Kivas mainly because I didn't want copyright infringement. But I just use Kivas for short. But that's really what it came from. My my, my friend is making fun of me, clowning me in the studio. <laughs> I like that. See, no, it's so hard to find a unique name nowadays, and I think you found one. Oh no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I've stuck with it, man. You know, um, not only that, there was a rapper with my real name, so. You know, I, I need something that's going to really distinguish me. Something to make people think Kivas. Because most people, I, the way I spelled it, it's sort of like Kivu, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of does. It almost like like rendezvous or something. Exactly. So, you know, it's definitely, so when I say Kivas, they're like, ah, oh, because people always say Kivas or Kivu. And I'm like, no, oh, it's Kivas. <laughs> Well, this is all about you, Kivas, but, you know, it's not every day I talk to someone that knows Robin Thicke, so you have to share one favorite Robin Thicke story. Oh, man, I have a couple of favorite Robin Thicke stories. Um, do you want it to be recent, or do you want it to be for... Oh, no, any anytime, <laughs> any era. Um, Robin used to have a studio called Blue Jay. Blue Jay was in uh, the Sunset Hollywood Hills, and... You know, I would always go up to visit him, and I remember um, going there and a few things happening. One, um, he was playing, you know, his new album, which at that time was called Under the Cherry Blue Skies. 
but as we're sitting there talking and, and he's playing me the albums, he's as he's actually asking me, Key, do you like this one? Do you like this one? And then he's letting me know of the other projects that he's working on. And he let me play some stuff that he wrote for Usher. And then uh, I thought that was amazing because he, you know, he, he let me hear actually Usher's vocals in the song before they even before they even hit the album. And then he also invited me in the studio with him and Jordan Knight as he was working on Jordan Knight's project. So I got to sit there and, and chop it up with Jordan and, and Robin and, and get some insight and, 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 and listen. And just, I just loved the experience because they were, you know, it was just a great feeling. So I was in the studio with Jordan Knight and Robin Thicke when Robin uh, recorded some of Jordan's vocals and it was a good time, great time. You know, what's the power of finding really good collaborators? I mean, the power in it or the power of trying to find it. I mean, to me, I think I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I love to collaborate. So I'm not, I don't think music is a selfish art. I think, you know, finding good collaborators is important because you get to see things from a flip side uh, and, and from other people's perspectives and other ideas. And you might, you know, embark on things that you might have not even thought of in the song. And you're like, oh, yeah. So it's just, you know, being able to see perspectives and other, other sides of views and respect that. And, and, you know, it's art and music's meant to be shared. And I think that, you know, that's important. You know, well, speaking of Jordan Knight, you know, New Kids on the Block, mm -hmm. did you and Robin ever come close to just starting an all-out boy band? Well, Think Twice was sort of a boy band. So, <laughs> I mean, just Think Twice was sort of a boy band. Like, the, the concept was crazy because this is, you know, back in the day, two of us, two of us were black, two of us were white. We were trying to make the world think twice of, you know, that, you know, basically black and white people can work together to get to a greater good. That was the concept of the, of the group, which was probably deep back then. But it was just because back then Robin was getting ridiculed for the type of music he was doing. You know, people always, people always try to judge you for your experiences and the things you do if they don't understand. And Robin grew up, you know, that people don't understand Robin's dad and mom both are singer songwriters. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people don't understand. Alan wrote a lot of jingles for you. Like he wrote The Facts of Life. You know, he wrote Growing Pain, Silver Spoon. Like a lot of people don't know that. And his mom had a hit record called Lovers and Friends that, that, that was out. And I know this because I was around and, you know, and, and, and it's funny because they used to have to make Robin go to piano class. He'd want to, he'd want to stay with me and kick it. And I'd be like, no, man, go to piano class. If I could afford it, I would be able to go. But, you know, I'm a single mom. I couldn't afford that. So. Yeah. And, and I'm curious. So how many guys does it take to be officially a boy band? Like if there's two, <laughs> it's a duo. If there's three, it's, three, it's, it's a trio. trio. Maybe I guess four. four. It's a quartet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that's funny. Um, I mean, in my in my history of boy bands, I think it takes at least three, three to four of my history of knowing boy bands. Most boy bands that I've known of have five. Most. Five. That's kind like, of the formula. That's kind of the formula. There's five usually. So I would say that best answer for that would be five. Um, yeah, I would say five. <laughs> now, my, my memory, if it serves me. So Bobby Brown was New Edition? Yes, Bobby Brown was in New Edition. And, uh, and that was kind of a classic era. And then there was like boys to men about the same of time. Of course. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, New Edition initially came out in the 70s, but like 77, 78 or something, close to the 80s. And then, you know, uh, I was, I was very thought of, but um, 
growing up watching them, you know, before then there was the Osmonds, the Jacksons, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But New Edition was a big impact on me because I would see these guys in the Valley. Um, my, my, my god cousins are close to like Ronnie DeVoe. So I would like, and, and, and Ralph Trezor. So I would see these guys and be watching them and just listening to them and just be around. And so they were a big influence on me music wise. When Bobby went solo, you know, I thought that was amazing that he was there. It's funny because he wasn't technically the lead singer at that time. He was one of them, but not the lead singer. And he had the best solo career. And then uh, Belvedere DeVoe had the, ne the, the next best career after that. And then, you know, from Belvedere DeVoe, uh, Boys and Men came. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it was a domino effect of just great music and of collaborative people. And, you know, I've been around a few of those collaborative people. I've been on stage when Boys and Men have performed. So, you know, I've actually met them and seen them too. Being around LA, you meet a lot of people and I have God cousins who just know everybody. I promise you, they're called the Andersons. And um, my uncle Chuck was a bodyguard for all these people. So that's how they generally know everybody. And my cousin JJ, he managed, he, he wrote managers for the Black Eyed Peas. So even being around them, you know, so there's a lot of influences that I pull from. I like that. Well, what, what, kind of waves do you want to make right now the kind of waves i want to make right now okay well catch a wave you know i'm really i'm really pushing that right now you know i have tons of music you know for people that don't know i do songwrite for film and television so i have you know what's called placements and licensing and publishing deals that i've done but the waves that i'm trying to catch as a solo artist is to get to a place to where i can help up and newcoming artists you know what you know once once i can get to where I need to be or where I feel I'm in a position to help other people, even though I still do now, but on a bigger scale, that that's really what I want to do. I want to teach these artists about, you know, licensing, publishing, there's other ways to make money and the difference between being successful and famous, because a lot of people think, a lot of people are just chasing fame. You can't chase fame. You know what I mean? You have to chase your goals, you know, your really work at your craft, you know, and, and chase that versus the fame. If it's meant to be famous, it'll be famous. But being successful is what, you know, I really want to try to exhibit and, and, and give to this next generation that's coming up. I want that to sort of be my legacy. Mm -hmm. And I know things are so singles oriented now, but are you working on a full album? Man, it's crazy that you say that. Yeah, I mean, because I record for licensing for film and television, my catalog of music is sick. My catalog of music is ridiculous. I got over 300 songs, like, ready to go. Like, really. Oh, wow. But, yeah, like, I record that much. But there are a few projects that I'm working on. Um, first, I have a, 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 I have a young guy from uh, Hawthorne, California, named Bonnie. Him and I have a joint project. Hopefully, that'll be done soon. Where, uh, there's some finishing touches on that. I have a... Um, um, a cousin named FTG Trap. Me and him have a project um, that we've worked on, so we need to put finishing touches on that. And then wherever Catch a Wave takes me, we'll see what's up with a, a new single or an album to follow up with that. You know, but I'm ready. <laughs> and it's you know still summer, so it seems like you can get a lot of mileage out of may maybe some surfers down there in Venice. That's so crazy you said that because. I wanted to go down there and actually go to some of the surf spots and, and see what some of the surfers thought about the song and, and, and get some of them surfing. It's crazy you said that. Great minds think alike, I promise you, Kelly, because 
that was one of the things that um, I wanted to do. And that's the reason why, like the verse is definitely about a girl and the, and the, and, uh, the pre or the, the bridge is definitely about a girl. But the hook I wanted to leave open for that specific reason. I like that. Well, I want to give you the last word here. And again, I'm so impressed by your just output. I mean, 300 songs uh, there there to un unleash on the world. And, and I love that, you know, you get into TV and film and licensing and, you know, all the cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell us just a little bit about, like, for people who want to get their songs into films and TV, you know, what advice do you have for them? Um, first of all, what, what I would say is, like I said, make sure you practice on your craft because when you're doing anything like soliciting music, soliciting meaning when you're pitching your stuff to different people, you got to make sure the quality is up to par. Things have to sort of be TV and film quality. So take your time with the mixes. If you can't do it, you know, maybe find somebody that can, that can mix it and master it for you. For a lot of people who don't have the outlets or the money to do so, there are schools where people would do it for projects, where students would do it for projects. So I'm giving you some game on that. So there's, you know, try to get your mixes and your mastering uh, to where it, it's TV quality. Next, um, what I did was I, I studied, I really studied which companies um, first did licensing and publishing, and then I got contacts and start knocking down doors. Um, one thing about Anything that happens in life, nothing's going to just fall in your lap. You have to work at it, and, but you have to work smarter, not harder. You have to really do your homework to know where to send your stuff to. Not only that, you got to um, understand that the game does change. It does change. So a lot of the times, you artists need to sign up to what's called a pro rights organization. Make sure you have a BMI, an ASCAP, a CSAT. It's free to sign up as a songwriter producer. A songwriter is called a composer. So it's free to sign up as a songwriter producer. If you later on want a, a publishing company, then you could pay for that, but at least sign up as a songwriter and producer because it's free to do that. These are the things that you will need in order to get your song placed on film and television and to receive some type of compensation. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to hit me on any of my social media platforms and I'm free. I'll give you some games for free. You know, just because I want to see people win. I like that. And, and in this age of AI-generated music, what's the importance of having a real human being involved? Let me tell you this. I, I think, you know, with everything good, you know, it's like yin-yang. There's good and there's bad. I think AI for the right things, you know, is a good tool to use. But what's missing a lot of the time for music nowadays is feeling. People got to understand that music is a feeling. The more you synthesize, the more you take away the authentic feeling of music. And that's what people don't understand. That, you know, like music is definitely a feeling. The things that made our great artists so great was the feeling you were able to feel from them and the warmth with their vocals. You know, there's a lot of thin vocals, people were compressing the, the, the heck out of stuff. And, you're not getting that warmth that you used to get. So please try to give your all, put that feeling into it and, you know, make it authentic. And, you know, I know there's, a, because what, hap what happened is I would say the industry now is 90% um, business and 10% talent. It doesn't mean there's not a lot of talented people out there. It's just that, especially with rap and hip hop, they found a way to make money faster 
because with rock, obviously you have a whole band, you have to travel that way. With hip hop, it's just, you know, it's easier to record and everything like that. So what they started doing was really, you know, pushing a gun on that. And so there's a lot of saturation going on and it's taken away from a lot of the feeling of the music. Not necessarily, it doesn't mean the artists aren't great even, it just means the feeling of the whole music is just missing. And how do you kind of get centered and make sure that you're really operating from that, you know, feeling and creative place? Luckily, I have a lot of control over my music. So that that does help. You know, I have free reign to write and create as I want, which that's helped me out a lot. But also, you know, one thing is being able to understand what's happening in music, what's going on in music and trying to basically blend that. You know, I, I hang around a lot of uh, younger adults, I hang around, you know, a lot of older adults. So I pull from each, each direction and I try to make it my own and center it to where, you know, I get an understanding from both sides. Cause I think there's a disconnect from one generation to the next. I'm sort of in the middle. So I can understand a lot, you know, of music that was in the past, but I understand a lot of music that's, you know, current as well. And that's one reason is because I'm a songwriter and, you know, I really have control over the type of music that I do and, and, and the messages that I want to give and talk about. I'm not told, except for film and television, they might say, we want something like this, but I'm not told what type of music, you know, to record. So I think that helps a lot because a lot of people are told and they tend to, the people tend to try to make the same song over and over again. Will never happen. <laughs> Will never happen. Well, his name, is Kivos, the current single, C-A-W, Catch a Wave. And all I have to say is uh, next time uh, Miss Beyonce passes through L.A., she, she better ask you to open for her. Man, I, I'm, I'm on the same page, Kelly. And next time you're in L.A., if you're not in L.A., we got to get to a rooftop. I definitely want to take you to one of these rooftop performances. I think you really like it. So I think you will. I'm adding that to the bucket list right now. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it and hope I get to talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for listening. Kelly did his thing. It's your boy, Kivas. Make sure you go pick up Catch a Wave on Street People Records right now. Let's go. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.